Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. All right, praise the Lord. Uh, If you have your Bible, open up to Exodus chapter 33. Get your sermon notes out. Um, I want to talk to you about the glory of the Lord. Many of you are familiar with the story in the Bible where Moses cries out, show me your glory. That's what we're going to kind of talk about for a minute this morning, uh, looking at some things. And I've been um, over the last, you know, we've been doing the He Is series. And and I just really feel like even though there's a few more He Is, uh, you know, teachings that I would love to do, uh, we need to transition we talked about he is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit, and we're going to go into things of, of over the next you know, few weeks, we'll be going into some things about how to walk in the realm of the Spirit. Because this morning, talking about the glory of God, when you open up to be aware of the glory of God, and you really have a heart that says with sincerity, you know, Father, show me your glory, and you really want to seek that out. Um, and not not show me your glory as a as a spectator, but show me your glory as a participant. That I want to be in on what you're doing. I want to be walking with you in partnership with God. You know, you're you're partners with God as disciples of Christ. You're a partner with the Lord. And and so when you talk about the glory of the Lord, it opens up to a whole realm, a whole realm of of your lifestyle looking different. Not just Sunday looking different. Not just your your church day looking different, not just your Sunday morning looking different, but your whole life begins to look different as the glory of the Lord just begins to unfold. And so I want to just talk about this. And I think it's a, a not only like when I, I was when he was speaking to me about this. And there's so many verses, y'all. There's so many verses. I, I'm just going to need God's help to just not keep you here all day. And I know that probably discourages some of y'all. <laughs> but. If you get done before I do, you can just head on out. (laughs) Uh, But the reality is the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord is so, so magnificent because he's magnificent. And I just want to talk to you about this because it's not just a, a word for you and for your household and for your family and for your business and for this church family. It's a word for the city. It's a word for this region. And it's a word for the nation and a word internationally. I'm telling you, you're going to see the glory of God start moving in ways that, that and you already have. He's, he's already been doing it. And people have been responding to it. And I believe it's not God pouring more of his glory out. I believe it's people who've been responding more to God's glory. And you have that power. Some of you are waiting on God to do something, and I promise you God's waiting on you. And your power of choice, um, motivated by love, uh, you know, driven by faith, activates something. Activates something. We're going we're gonna to talk about this here. And so look in Exodus chapter 33, and um, we'll start maybe in verse, let's start in verse uh, the whole chapter so good. We'll start in verse 12. So when you got it, say got it. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, uh, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found grace in my sight. 
Now, therefore, I pray. So here's Moses' prayer. I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now, show me now your ways. Man, that's a powerful prayer right there. Underline that. God, show me your ways. Show me. The children of Israel knew the acts or the deeds of God, but, but Moses sought God to say, show me your ways. Powerful, powerful thing. Show me your ways that I may know you. Isn't that got this? Oh, man, that's just jumping out to me. Show me your ways, not so I can know your ways. Show me your ways so I can know you. So good, so good. And that I may find grace in your sight and can uh, and consider that this nation is your people. Man, that's a real pastor speaking right there. Lord, because a lot a lot of pastors talk about they, they, they talk to one another and say, my people. And they don't mean anything by it, but they'll talk, pastors will talk about, yeah, my people, my people. Well, they're not, they're, you're not, I don't own you. I may be your pastor and I don't, I don't neglect that responsibility. I think it's an honor. As a matter of fact, when I hear pastors complaining and stuff, it just, it really frustrates me um, because it's an honor to pastor the people of God. But make no mistake about it, you're his people. You're his people. You belong to him. Verse 14, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then he said to them, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? I'm telling you, the power, the power the glory and the honor is not in the destination where God is leading you. It's in the journey of going with him along the way. Some of you are looking for a destination. God, Jesus, just tell me where to go. This is for somebody. I'm telling you right now. This is not just ADD. This is the Holy Spirit working with it. Some of you are like, God, just tell me, just tell me where to go and I'll go do it. He doesn't want that. He wants that fellowship and that relationship for you to learn his ways on the way. So you can know him because the greatest thing is not the accomplishment of the destination that he's going to lead you to or the thing that he's going to do in building his kingdom in and through you, through his gifting. The best thing about it is not what is accomplished and, and the kind of like the touchdown at the end. The best thing about it is knowing him. That's the, actually what eternal life is. John 17, Jesus, Jesus said that eternal life is knowing him. So some of you are in a process and you're like, hurry up, Lord, let's get there. Let's get there. Let's get done. I'm telling you, this is for somebody. Let's hurry up. Let's get there. And you need to slow down. And you need to put your gaze and your focus on what is God doing? He's revealing his ways in the middle of your battle. He's revealing his ways in the middle of your struggle. And as he's revealing his ways, you'll get to see more about him. So don't shortchange the process. Don't shortchange the, 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 the relationship. Stop trying to get where you think God wants you to be and just be with him. Because when he brings you to a place, he'll protect it once you get there. But you bring you to a place, it's up to you to protect it. Lord Jesus, help me. So we shall be Separate your people and I from all the people who are on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. And he said, please 
show me your glory. Notice he didn't say, give me your glory. He said, show me your glory. And this word show is a really interesting word. It's the same word that when God created the heavens and the earth and he created whatever on the, uh, you know, on the first day and he looked and he saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. That's, that's the same word here. And it speaks to a very intentional gaze, a very intentional focused look. You know, one of the greatest problems that we face in life as disciples of Christ in the New Testament is a lack of focus. I love how Jim Lewis had said at one time the, that the enemy uses weapons of mass distraction. Focus. Focus. It's huge. You got to know what steals your focus. What causes you to get distracted. And you got to bring that in, you know, b- before the Lord. Because this thing about show is this intentional, intentional looking that actually creates a new sense of perception and perspective. So what he's, what he's saying and what he's crying out here in prayer is give me the perspective of your glory. Show me. Open my eyes. Open my heart. He's not asking for a magic trick. He's not. See, sometimes we do that. We, we're so insecure. We don't trust what God has said about us. We don't trust the finished work of Christ. We don't trust what he has said about who we are in him and who he is in us. We don't trust him. We feel insecure. So we want God to do a magic trick. Now, what we call it is a manifestation. And I'm all for manifestation. I'm all for I, I'd love for some of y'all start levitating right now. That'd be amazing to me in Jesus name. I love, I love when God in His glory is, doing a, is manifesting and, and doing something miraculous. I love that. But what's greater than a manifestation and greater than a, a supernatural magic trick to, to scratch my insecurity in who I am in God, what's greater than that is maturity. Maturity. That God, I trust you regardless. I believe you regardless. God, I take you at your word even if I don't see a magic trick. Even if I don't see a manifestation. You are healer. You are healer. And I declare that even when sickness is attacking my body. You are provider even when I look at my bank account and, and think, oh, Lord Jesus. Because God is a never-changing God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We, we serve a never-changing God in an ever-changing world. And so this thing of show me your glory is this cry. It's this cry of I want to see you. Because God's glory, the glory of the Lord is connected to a person. It's not a, it's not a thing that he does. It's not, it's not some trick that he does of, oh, Jesus, do that thing again. Do, do that thing that's really cool that we like. You ever have a friend that could do something weird, like double joint or something? They do something weird. And you, and you want, hey, do that thing again. You know, like, you know, the freakish people that you know. This is not like God do that thing again. Ooh, it's so cool. We're entertained. It's not something that entertains us. This is something that, that we are in awe and respect and, and, and even the fear of the Lord, of looking at this respect of the Lord because, because his glory is his person. And glory, glory, the transaction of glory is always person to person. It's never person to thing. 
And sometimes we want, we look at glory about things like, oh, this building is glorious, or oh, that car, look at the glory. It's not about, and God, God, because of his person, can actually make things have a glory to it, but the glory is not because of the thing. The glory is because of the person. And so Moses is a person crying out to the person, saying, I want to know your ways, and you, you called me to lead these people, and, and I'm telling you, if you don't go with us, because your presence is more important than the project, if you don't go with us, we're not going. Because this is, God has called them and you into something that you cannot do. He's called you into something, an invitation on a journey to something you cannot do. So anyone who thinks, God, I can do this for you, you'll be proud of me, God. That's a performance mindset that will end up in failure in your life. Because we have all Romans uh, uh, 623 uh, or no, 323, one of the 23s, we have all fallen short of God's glory. We can't get there from here. So Moses is crying out one person to another. And it's one person to a person about a people. Because what God does in your life is not just about you. What he's unlocking and releasing in your life is what he's calling you to be, do, have, and give is not just about you. It's about other people. And some of you are here in this room because somebody else invited you. Because they told you, you got to come see, you got you to come meet some of these people. You got to come put up with the preaching to, to engage the people. Because <laughs> the people are awesome. The preaching is, ah, but pre the people are awesome. So he goes on, he says, please show me your glory. And then watch what God does. Then, then he said, I will make all my goodness, everybody say goodness, pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Uh, but he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. And so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. A lot of stuff in that. The Bible teacher in me wants to break down a whole bunch of stuff. Here's what I want you to see. This is prophetically talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. The whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus. Jesus himself said, Moses wrote about me. The whole Bible is about Jesus. So when Moses is crying out, show me your glory, notice, notice how God answered. God answered with, uh, okay, here's my answer. I'll let all my goodness pass before you. So let, let's just do the equation. The glory of God is the goodness of God. Or the goodness of God is the glory of God. Then it talks about graciousness, favor. And he talks about compassion. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. So the, the compassion of God, the grace and favor of God, and the goodness of God are all talking about the glory of God. It's all talking about him. And what happens is he, but what he says is, notice what he does here. He said, I'm going to show you my glory. So my goodness is going to pass before you. Here's, here's my favor. Here's my compassion. And there's a place by me. Actually, it'd be on this side. I believe it's on the right hand of the Lord. 
Here's a place by me. I'm going to put I'm going to put you on the rock. Who's the rock prophetically? Jesus. And then he said, I'm not just going to put you on the rock. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. What's the cleft of the rock? The place where the rock was cut or crucified. So what he's doing is I'm going to put you not just on Christ. I'm going to put you in Christ. The rock. And it's a place by me. What's that ultimate place by him at the right hand of the father? Your Bible says in Ephesians that those who are born again uh, are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so there's this place by me. You know what the Lord wants? He doesn't want you to fulfill that project. He doesn't want to. He will accomplish things through you. You will accomplish nothing, but he will accomplish things through you for his glory, for his namesake. But the greatest part about it is being with him. And so here's here's a rock and here's a cleft of the rock. And I put you in the, in the rock, which is being I put you in Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me, Galatians 2.20 says. And so as you go in and you see this prophetic picture of the cross, he, he puts his hand over him. And I, I believe that speaks to a number of things. The only one I want to talk about today is, is it's a hand that was pierced, covering him. And then the cool thing about it, and there's a whole lot more about this, but I just want to put up one thing that then when he passed by, he said, my face you won't see, but my back you will. Why? Because by his stripes, you were healed. He's showing him the sacrifice before the sacrifice is made. He's showing him the covenant promises of God that are all about his glory. It's all about the glory of the Lord. And the goodness of God. This is an incredible thing that, that you look through. And the word glory, I have it there in your notes. The word glory is kebab, uh, uh, kavad. It's, it's kind of how you pronounce it. I got your Strong's number there for you. And it means the weight, the worth, the wealth, the beauty, the substance, the power, the honor, the majesty, and the authority of God. It's, per, it's a person. The glory of God is not a magic trick. The glory of God is not a fog machine. The glory of God is, you know, we talk about Shekinah glory as it's like a mist and we see like gold dust and all these different little manifestations. And I'm not against any of them. Matter of fact, I wish somebody would release some gold dust up in here. Because I'd have y'all pray and I collect it all up and go. <laughs> but the reality is that it's not, it's not some manifestation. It's a person. The glory of God is a person. It's his character. It's his nature. It's who he is. It's the glory of the Lord. And it's unchangeable. It's unchangeable. So there's nothing you can feel. There's nothing you can see. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing that can be done to you. There's nothing that can be done in this world uh, in, in any capacity that will ever change the glory of the Lord. It's unchangeable. It's a finished work. It's who he is. I am the Lord. I do not change. God is not a man that he should lie. And so we come down and work on the glory of man and try to jockey for the glory of man and we impress ourselves as we compare ourselves amongst ourselves thinking we're doing something. We ain't doing nothing. Why would I live for the glory of man when I can live in the glory of God? So this glory is unchanging. It's never changing. And it's, and it, it's, it's this authority of God and this weight of God. And it's, it's, you know, you measure gold by like the weight of it. The density and the weight of it, the value of it. And I think part of the problem that we have with the church in modern days is, is the church doesn't really walk in the glory of God. 
So we don't have any weight. We don't have any substance. We look just like them. We live just like them. But we sit in our judgment seat and start calling them out and we do the same thing they do secretly. We need the weight of God. We need the glory of God. We need the holiness of God. Who He is is who we are. As He is in this world, so are we. He who's in me is greater than he who's in this world. And I begin to to walk in this thing. I, I come into the place by him. Be in the cleft of the rock. And trust his sacrifice for me. And trust his death, burial, and resurrection in my life. And so I put a couple names here on, on your, your, your notes just to make it quick. So Jochebed is Moses' mother. That, that's her name. It's Moses' mother. And her name actually means Jehovah's glory. So Moses' mother, not, not Pharaoh's daughter that raised Moses, but Moses' mother, the one who, who God chose to birth Moses, her name literally means Jehovah's glory. It's personal. It's relational. So the one crying out, show me your glory in one sense is crying out for his birthright. Crying out for the birthright. And then you know the terminology of Ichabod. Uh, Jeff uh, said it a few weeks ago that was a confirmation to me about this whole thing of the glory of the Lord. Ichabod is where Eli the priest, he fell over backwards because he heard of the ark of God was captured and, and, and his daughter-in-law had a child. Um, actually, she was pregnant. And when, and when Eli fell off and she, she heard the messenger about her, um, uh, her father-in-law was, was, fell, off and, uh, fell off a wall backwards and he was a priest of God and that he died. But even more, or, even more so, when she heard the ark of God was captured, the presence of God was captured by the enemies, she went into labor prematurely. And she named the son Ichabod. And Ichabod means, where is the glory? Or the glory of the Lord has departed. And I believe we have a generation beneath my age that is saying, where's the glory of the Lord? You got your traditions. You got your routines. You got your pet peeves. But where's the glory of the Lord? We were talking about it this morning about the movie Jesus Revolution. Hopefully you've seen that. But if you haven't, you have a bunch of, yet in that movie, just like every generation, you have a bunch of young people chasing after the glory of the Lord, but they don't know what they're chasing after. They don't know what they're seeking. They're looking in a bottle. They're looking in a drug. They're looking in sex. They're looking in whatever. They're looking in all the pleasures of the world. They're looking in all the wealth of the world. They're looking in all the weight of the world. They're looking in all the beauty and splendor and substance of the world, trying to find something eternal because it never satisfies. And if the church would understand he's the king of glory and his glory has been given to us that we could walk in the glory of the Lord and not the glory of face in him. Not the glory of John Aiken, not the glory of this building. God forbid, not the glory of a denomination. I want to give honor where honors due. And I honor the men and women who've come before us. I honor the people that stood on this platform before I did and the people who were standing on it after I'm gone. The people who sat in your seats before you did and the people who were sitting them after you're gone. I honor the people that God uses generationally to bring about his glory, but make no mistake about it. The glory is his. 
And he's given it to us, but it's still his. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Forever and ever. And I want to honor people, but I don't want to start glorifying people. That's what the generation is sick of. And I think they're crying out for the glory of the Lord. I think they're saying, where is the glory? And so look in Ephesians chapter, not Ephesians, um, Isaiah chapter 4. I love hearing your Bible pages turn. Good stuff. You at least sound saved. This is an amazing promise from the word of God about the glory of God. So Isaiah chapter 4, it's a really short chapter. We'll look at verse 4 and 5. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning, which means cleansing. Then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above her assemblies, a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory, there will be a covering. And there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat, for a place of refuge, and for a shelter from the storm and rain. Now, so the people in that century that heard this prophetic promise coming from the prophet Isaiah knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew this was a a messianic prophecy about the glory of the Lord and the coming Messiah. Because what you need to understand is Mount Zion is a physical place there in Jerusalem. Uh, But prophetically, Mount Zion speaks to the church, the people of God, Jew and Gentile coming together in one under the Messiah Christ. So any time in the Old Testament, you have to read the Old Testament with New Testament perspective. Uh, and so if when we look at that, Mount Zion is talking about the eternal people of God, the family of God. Anytime you see Mount Zion, it's a reference to the church. It's a reference to the people of God made up of Jew and Gentile who both have faith in Christ. And so in that, he's saying over every dwelling place, not just not just the church house, not just the temple. Uh, this is really what they would have heard. The same glory that brought a cloud by day and a fire by night over the tabernacle and over the temple. That same glory, God is saying, is now going to abide over every dwelling place. The people of Israel were were blown away at this. You're telling me, you're telling me that the glory of the Lord that's in the temple, the most holy place on earth, where we see these manifestations of God and the power of God. When, when Solomon dedicated the temple and they were worshiping and they were, he was on his knees and he was praying and worshiping that the glory of the Lord came in like a cloud so they couldn't even minister anymore because the glory of the Lord filled the pra- place, which means God was personally present in that place so much so that the ushers couldn't even get a seat for him. He was just there overwhelming the place. 
And the people were crying out as they dedicated the temple. You're telling me that the glory of the Lord that rested and abided on the temple of the Lord is now going to be in my shack, going to be at my house? And that's the promise of God, is my glory is not just for a few. My glory is not just for the big cathedral or temple. My glory has been meant to be at every single house. And we know in the new covenant that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That when we are born again and we believe Jesus is Lord and God raised Him from the dead, that His Spirit comes to live inside of us. And we're the temple of the Lord. So you're telling me that the glory, the presence, the honor, the substance, the wealth, the worth, the weight, the authority of the Lord is coming to live in me. The glory that that shut down the temple service is going to be over my house and going to be in me. I was rejoicing when you were just saying, God, that your temple was going to be in the middle of Israel. That your temple was going to be in our city. That we were your people and and we had a place to go to. But you're telling me that your purpose is to be so personal and so relational that you are coming to share your glory with me? The same God in Isaiah 42 who said, uh, The Lord is my name, Jehovah is my name, and I will not share my glory with another. He defines what that other is. Another idol. Meaning I'm not going to give my glory. This is what he's saying. Because an idol is something we make. And what he's saying is I'm not going to bring my glory on something you make. Even if you're making it to not replace me but impress me. To prove yourself to me. I will not share my glory with your idolatrous whatever. With the thing you made. What he's saying is, I will glorify what I make. Because it represents me. And he says, I want to put my glory on every dwelling place. And so now you see these two things happening. The glory of the Lord being on every dwelling place and the public assembly. And you see that even through the early church. They went from house to house. They went from the temple courts and from house to house. And their whole community, their whole thing. It wasn't just Saturday or Sunday. Their whole, their whole life, their whole community was being shaped by the miraculous glory of God. And the problem with American churches, we try to shape our Sunday. Instead of saying, You're, and the, we try to shape the church house. Instead of coming and saying, this is a training center. I thank God for this place. I thank God for this place. And I'm going to thank God even more when this place is paid off. But I thank God for this place. I thank God for the public assembly. I thank God for our worship times together, time to get into the word. I thank God as we come together and lift up his name together. There's a unique anointing and authority when we together with one heart, with one mind, lift up the name of Jesus. There's something powerful that happens. But make no mistake about it. The glory of the Lord is for your house your house and as you, as you start realigning your house to his glory church will get better for you some of you are waiting on church to get better for you to get better and I'm gonna tell you right now you will get better church well church will get better when you get better 
When you begin to believe the promise of and had this heart that Moses did. Moses was old covenant and he was saying, show me your glory. Let, let your glory be my new perspective. Let your glory be my new perception. Show me your glory. Be personally present with me and show me things from the perspective and lens of your glory. The weight of your presence, God. Show me, show me what my life and family is like with your glory. From the lens of your glory. And now in the New Testament, what, what we see is so important and so true. And you have it on, um, on your notes. And what I want to do is I want to come back to verse 4 here in a second. But flip over on your notes. I want to show you a couple things and come back to verse 4. So John uh, chapter 1 verse 14. And this is Amplified Bible. It's going to take me a half hour to read through this one. And the word Christ became flesh and lived among us. And we actually saw or beheld his glory. The glory as belongs to the one and only, only begotten Son of the Father, the, the Son who is truly unique and the one, uh, one of a kind who is full of grace and truth and absolutely, this is why I showed this to you, absolutely free of deception. So Jesus, the Word, He became, He's the Word, He's the living Word of God and He came incarnated into flesh. And so this one who, who Moses was crying out, show me your glory, and here's a place in a rock by me. All that's prophetic to here is Jesus coming. And when he came into the scene, the people around him beheld the glory of the Lord. What, what that's saying is we saw the glory of the Lord. Moses' prayer was answered. And so now we, we know from the Old Testament that the glory was his goodness, his favor, and his compassion. And now you add to it grace and truth. Because the glory of God, we beheld his glory. And what was it full of? Grace and truth. So that's the glory of the Lord. And that's what unpacks the glory of the Lord. And then uh, when, you, when you understand this, you look to John 17, verse 22. And I have it right there in your notes. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. This is Jesus. And he's praying. And he's saying, Father, he's talking about the glory. It's a whole nother teaching to get into this whole chapter, but it's an amazing chapter. What I want you to see today is as he's, he's, he's praying to the Father, and he's like, Father, the glory that you gave me, watch this, the glory that you gifted to me, I now give and have gifted to them. I've been taught all my life about the glory of God. Don't touch the glory. Don't touch the glory. Glory belongs to the Lord. And there's, uh, uh, there's real truth in that because it's not given to an idol. But God has given his glory to his people. But sometimes we, we don't realize what God has given us. We don't realize the thing that he's given us. And so we live, we learn to live without the thing that he's given us. And we actually start walking in a, in a way of we ask for God to give us what he already gave us because we don't know that he gave it to us. And we think God's failing us when we're failing to, to seek out. We're failing to say from a New Testament perspective, not give me your glory because he already's done it, but show me the glory you've given me. Show me the glory that he's given me. And then Colossians 1.27, look at this. It says, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory. Notice there's that phrase again, the riches of his glory, the abundance, the overflowing of his glory. It's never stopping. It's never ceasing. It's always overflowing. The glory of the Lord. 
the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're the temple of the Lord, the hope of us and our families and our households and our communities. It's, it's not like we got to go chase revival. Oh, God's moving over there or God's moving over there. Let's go chase it. We don't need to go chase it. You can start revival anytime you want because the glory of the Lord has been given to you. Now, does God work in corporate faith and move in certain areas? Yes, but the, but the underlying thing is you are, he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. And a lot of us are waiting on God to move because it's always easier when somebody else goes first. But to say that I'm the temple of the Lord, I'm a child of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have the covenant promise of God in my life. He is my yes and my amen. He is majesty over my life. He rules and reigns in me. His grace rules and reigns in me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He's a lifter of my head. He's a shield about me. He's my exceedingly great reward. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. You have this understanding of who you are and you tap into it and you, you walk into it and you grow into it and you understand who you are. And, and look, the last one I'll show you is, is for today is Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm going to spare you and not read these other verses. You can read them on your own. But the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians 3.12, um, it talks about going from one degree of glory to another. As we behold in a mirror this image of the Lord. And I'll, I'll, I'll say something about that when I speak about the houses here in a second. But look in Ephesians chapter 1. Watch this prayer. Ephesians 1 verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord, in, in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in, in my prayers, that the God of the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Notice he didn't say. I'm praying for you that the Father of glory would give you glory. Why? Because he already gave it to you. You already have it. Tell your neighbor, say, I already have it. If you're in Christ, you already have it. Verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding, which means your perception, being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the, um, the working of his mighty power. It goes on to some really good stuff. Here's what I want you to see. What Paul is saying is I'm praying for you to have wisdom, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the understanding of what God's already given you. Some of you are praying for God to give you what he already gave you. And what you need is wisdom and revelation to get your hands on what God's already put in your spirit. And so there's never a day, there's never a time where you can say, as a believer in Jesus Christ, there's never a time where you can say, I cannot access his glory. Now you feel distant from God. 
you feel separated from God. You feel like God's a million miles away and has just checked out on you. But that's when you need to remind yourself about the glory of the Lord. I want the worship team to go ahead and come on up and look back on, uh, on Isaiah 4. Look back on your other, your other page. I want to show you this, and then I want to tell you a story. So when this promise of the glory, when this promise of the glory is being revealed, it's talking about the different dimensions of the glory of God on your house. And the different dimensions, the first one is your relationships. All of your relationships. That means the, gener the, the generational intentionality of God in your house, the relationships. God's glory wants to abide in your relationships. Your relationships. The second place God, God's glory abides in your house is all your real estate. That means your physical property. You get to walk your property and say, thank you, God, for this property. And this property, God, even though it's in my name, I realize it's yours. And you walk the property and you thank God for the glory of the Lord on your property. And you pray over your real estate because now your real estate has a purpose bigger than building your kingdom. The next one is responsibilities. This calls to your vocation. What are you called to do? What gifting has God given you to make you responsible with? What's your calling? What, what is some of, he's made some of y'all really good at math. Some of you are really good at building stuff. Some of you are really good at destroying stuff. What's, what's, he, what's your responsibilities you know, in the community in which you live? What's your responsibilities? Because now it's not just my relationships where the glory of the Lord is being seen. And it's not a magic trick. It's maturity. It's a manifestation of maturity. In my relationships in my real estate, in my responsibilities. And the last one is your realm of influence, like your regional realm of influence. What is, where has God given you favor? What, do, what areas have God opened up to you to help you grow and help you learn? What influence do you have? It's not because of you, it's because of him. And if you make that influence, if you turn that influence self-seeking and you turn it to promote you instead of promoting God, then you're going to have some issues. Stuff's going to backfire in your face. Stuff's going to fall because and, and, you, you, can't, you can't sustain that. But the glory of the Lord being released in all of these areas and being released to where, to where you have wisdom and revelation of how the glory of God is to work in these areas. So a prayer that you can pray is from a New Testament perspective, knowing that Jesus, your faith in Jesus Christ, that he has given you his glory. He's given you his person, that you have, you have his identity. He's given you a new identity. Your identity is not earthly. Your identity is not the color of your skin. Your identity is not your gender, which by the way, there's only two. Your identity is not, is not in anything external or, or temporary. Your identity is eternal. He's given you an eternal identity and an eternal authority to operate in, in a temporary world for His glory, in His glory, of His glory. And all of these things, the glory of the Lord on your house. And so sometimes that means we have to understand what God has given us so we can therefore fight appropriately. And I just really felt like I was supposed to share this story. I don't know who this is for, but um, I wasn't going to do it, but I really sense I'm supposed to share this story. Um, there was a bishop that I recently heard teaching, and, and he was sharing a testimony of a sickness in his life that he went to. The, he felt something. He felt a little like um, a bump or a little small tumor just right here in his chest. And he went to the doctor, and he told the doctor, hey, doc, check this out. I feel this little bump right here. And, and the doc said, oh, it's nothing. He said, no, doc, you don't understand. I've had this body all my life. This hadn't been here before. 
And so the doc was feeling around and said, well, let's do some tests. He said, okay, we'll do some tests. So they did the MRIs and all the different stuff. And for sure, he was like, yep, there's a tumor, but it's probably nothing. It's, you know, whatever. And to make a, a long story short, the, the bishop was talking about how he was a little bit complacent because he knew the word of God and he knew about the glory of God and he knew how to fight the fight of faith. And the fight of faith is to not ask God to give you something that you do not that you don't think you have, but it's, it's, to, it's to actually fight the fight of faith to take, take the authority to understand, number one, God has already given it to you. And now that he's given it to you, you take authority using that thing and you speak. To, you speak. Jesus says, speak to this mountain or speak to this thing. You speak to that tumor. You need to speak to people, places, and things from the glory of God. And it's that fight of faith. And so the, the bishop was saying he was kind of just complacent. He was kind of lazy because it's much easier to say, oh, God, take if you love me, take this thing away. And you forsake your responsibility. You forsake your agreement with what God has already done because anything God will do comes out of what he's already done. And you're waiting on God to move, but God's waiting on you to move. And so the bishop talked about he was really lazy. And so long story made short, the tumor got really big to the size of like a softball. And he had to start wearing bigger jackets to cover it up. And then he finally went to the doctor. And he was saying how he had neglected his responsibility to take authority over that tumor and speak from, the, from a relationship with Christ to speak to that tumor. And to declare the will of the Lord to that tumor. He was just, he was saying how he was copping out. Oh, Lord, if it's your will, please, please take this. That's so, that's so weak. And so it, the story goes, he went to the doctor with this thing the size of a softball. And the doctor said, okay, this thing is getting too big. So we're going to have to do surgery. And let me tell you what the surgery is going to be like. The surgery is going to be, we're going to come in with a saw and we're going to open up your chest. We're going to split your chest open and the whole right side of your rib cage, we're going to just take out. And then we're going to remove the tumor. And then we're going to put fake ribs back in. And then we're going to have to do skin grafts from every part of your body to help. Hopefully, it'll cover all the areas and be okay. And the guy was like, what? You're going to do what? Like, what are you talking about? He said, no, we ain't doing that. And the Lord spoke to him. And said like things like, speak my word. My way's better. I'm for doctors. I'm not against doctors. I'm, I'm for, I think God speaks to, I, I thank God for doctors. I thank God for all that's created, even in medicines. And different, I thank God for all that. It's not a lack of faith to go to a doctor. It's not a lack of faith to take medicine. But as you're doing stuff, you need to trust the Lord. And you need to take authority and say what God's word says from his glory. So this, this bishop started talking about, he's like, I ain't doing all that. That was a wake-up call. Like, Doc, we ain't doing all that. And so he went home and started remembering the scriptures. And he went home and day by day, he started looking at the word of God, remembering the glory of God. And in the name of Jesus, he started speaking to that tumor. And he said at first, the things got a little worse. But he kept speaking day after day, multiple times a day, kept speaking the word of the Lord to that tumor. And he said over a, a certain amount of time, the tumor started shrinking little by little by little by little. And within a year's time, went back to the doctor. The tumor's totally gone. The doctor has no idea what happened. But the bishop does. And so this thing about the glory of the Lord on your house, what it tells me is you have responsibility over the glory of the Lord. And anything that's veiling you or blinding you from seeing his glory, 
You need to ask that thing to be, you need to remove it. You need to take authority over it. There's things that are, are haunting your life and, and just trying to destroy your life. And God has given you the authority in his glory to, to remove that thing. Will you be attacked? Yes. Will you go through seasons of suffering? Yes. In this world, you will have troubles and trials. But God has given you his glory. He's given you his personal presence. That's why it's so important to read the scriptures and know the scriptures to find out who we are in Christ, know what our identity is, know what our authority in Christ is. And fight the fight of faith. Fight for your family. Fight for your children. Don't say what the world says about your children. Don't cast them off. Fight for your finances. Fight for your business. But do the fighting in faith. Do the fighting in the glory of the Lord. Fight for your calling that God has given you. Stand against the enemy. Say what God says. Stop saying what you feel. Stop saying what they say. Stop saying what the enemy says. Say what God says. In the authority of your house. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. I think that's what the city is crying out. The city, this region, this, the whole generations are crying out. Okay, God, show me your glory. I want you to stand to your feet. This is the time when we respond in faith. Taking the word of the Lord deeper and deeper into our heart. Letting the Holy Spirit minister. Some of you, God may highlight somebody to you that you're supposed to go pray over them or speak a word to them. And I want you to do that. I want you to do that. I want you to go and follow the Lord. But I first want to start, and I wasn't planning on this. It's just, just, And he did this last night with me. If you're here and you would say, to at least 70%. My gosh, at least 70%. This is for me. I needed to hear this. Maybe it's not, maybe it wasn't for you. It's okay. Don't, I don't want you to just come up. Maybe it wasn't for you. And that's okay. But if you're like 70% of your being is like, man, I needed to hear that. I need to be reminded of the glory of God in my house and in my life. I needed to hear that. I want, if that's you, just come stand up here. Wherever you are, upstairs or downstairs. Now listen, if, if it's not you, don't come. But if it is you, you better come. You better get over your prideful self and you better come. Because faith, faith is your response 
to the glorious thing that God has already done. Faith is not you jumping around trying to get God to do something. Faith is you remembering what He has done. Hope hope is you wanting to see out of what He has done the full maturity and manifestation of the thing. But faith is looking back. Hope looks forward, but faith always looks back. And y'all come up a little closer. Come up a little closer. And here's what I want you to do. This is just what I saw and what I sensed. We'll have some people praying over you here in a few minutes, but I just want you to sit up here. You can stand, you can kneel, you can sit on the floor. I don't care what you do. But I want you to spend not just one song. I want you to spend this whole worship time up here. Because your American church self will come up here for one song and go back thinking you got what you're supposed to get. You need to just, you need to sit before him. And what do you do? What, what, am I, what am I supposed to do, Pastor? You just open your heart before the Lord. And some of you will have to let go of things. You'll have to let go of pride or fear or any kind of, and just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to let go of? And then just sit here and be like, show me your glory. And just worship him and let him just lead you. Lean into what he's doing in your life. And guys, as they start doing this, different ones who want to come and pray over them, you can do that. Just come pray over them. But don't interrupt them. Like pray from behind and and don't interrupt them because you need to do the work. You need to be the one that cries out. Show me your glory over my dwelling place, over my family, over my business, over over my vocation, over over everything. Show me your glory, God. I don't even know what songs they're doing. It doesn't even matter what songs they're doing. You just begin to worship the Lord and begin to open your heart before him and watch what he begins to do. Open your heart before him. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray over every soul, over everyone that's here. In this ramp season, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened and you would show us your glory, your brilliance, your authority, your weight. That the glory of the Lord would shine, would arise be our focus. Show us your glory, God, at work in our lives as we yield before you. In Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.